So, man, we've had a great journey so far on the leading edge, transforming leadership. And we've talked about structure and attunement, but it really doesn't matter how many tools you have that if you don't if you don't have this ability to be adaptable, you won't be able to tap into either one of these motivational forces. So today in this podcast, we want to talk about adaptability and ability to move back and forth between tapping into both of these motivational forces. Welcome to the Leading Edge podcast, transforming your leadership with attachment science. Together, we want to transform your leadership by sharing principles from attachment science to put you on the leading edge of leadership. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. James Hawkins and Dr. Ryan Reyna. So Ryan, here we go, talking about adaptability today and ability to tap into both of these motivational forces. Yeah, it's good to be back. Mm-hmm. Good to be back. Adaptability is, is, man, I don't know if there's many words that are more important to that than that when it comes to the future of your, of your organization or your leadership ability. I mean, uh, adaptability is in the heart of what attachment brings to the table when it comes to motivation and the health of an individual in the organization. So you may go on. I like that. When you said that uh, adaptability is at the heart of attachment, because when we think about attachment, what happens is, is when our attachment is off, we can get stuck in rigid ways of trying to solve all of our life's problems. Not that that way of trying to solve it is bad in itself, but it's when it becomes rigid and we misapply it at the wrong time, wrong moment, or in the wrong intensity. Yeah. Yeah. Or out of balance or out of balance. That's a good way of saying out of balance. That's what's so hard about. That's one of the things that's hard about leadership. One of the things that we don't talk about enough is it's just hard to be a leader because being a leader means you're dealing with problems. That's that's where the problems end up. And so I think that is a little piece to talk about really is, is you just got to make peace with that. Mm. You know, if, if there weren't for problems, leadership probably wouldn't even be that needed. So you got to kind of make peace with, yep, it's supposed to be hard. And this is supposed to be, I'm, I'm in a position where I'm going to catch challenges and, and, and things. Um, I think the other reason it's hard is, is you can be doing so many good things. You can grab the latest leadership book or podcast like this, which gives you this neat idea. You can go and incorporate that idea, but it won't work if you're at, if these two sides of attachment are out of balance in your organization or what's or what your organization catches from you so by adaptability you know this this pod, this episode today will be uh, part review and part expanding but in many ways we're summarizing the first little segment of this whole podcast before we come back and unpack more specifics, but adaptability, what we mean. Can I jump in real quick? Yeah, go ahead. So I just want to like, so if you're right, we're about 14 points into this thing and we did do on episodes three and four, we gave seven points of structure and then uh, we gave seven points of attunement. I would really tell listeners, if this is your first time tuning into our podcast, you really need to go listen to episodes two, three, and four to get what we're going to be talking about today. Oh, good point. Definitely. We're building out as we go. Great show notes on each one of those episodes building out each one of those these points. Thank you, James. Yep. Uh, so by adaptability, we're talking about the adaptability between these two powerful forces, which is structure and attunement, or we've also used the term relational attunement. Uh, but we're just going to use the word structure and attunement, I think, kind of moving forward. 
Um, so by adaptability, one of the things that we're talking about is a leader is never in balance between these two sides at any one time. And to embrace that, to recognize that, to have the humility, to know that that is true, and then to engage in a dynamic process of always borrowing and repaying one to the other, one to the other, one to the other. Reviewing here, most, maybe all leaders are not naturally good at both sides. You got people who are great at structure. They push themselves, they push other people. Maybe they're a great content leader. They're smart. They're a great technician of, of some various things, some craft, which is great. Maybe they're good at structure. Maybe you, have a, maybe you have a leader who's really relational and really loves people, you know, maybe a people pleaser kind of leader who may do a great job with attunement but doesn't get enough structure. Adaptability, the reason it's so important is if you're really good at structure and bad at attunement, your business, your organization will fail. If you're really good at attunement and you're bad at structure, your team, your organization, your business will fail. It's the same thing, actually, to have one without the other. So effective leaders, secure leaders, can adapt back and forth in a dynamic process over and over and over. What do you think about that, James? I love how you just were able to flesh that out on both sides, the importance of each one and how each one is necessary and making this clear so people, so our leaders can locate this within themselves to find where their strength is and, and be able to honor that and hold that one really well, but then recognize the importance of the other one that might not be a strength and how I need to go and embrace that part too because we want them to be able to be adaptable without like shaming them and guilting them as well. So, Good. All right, so we're going to keep it simple today. We'll start off on the structure side mm -hmm. and kind of do some reminders, uh, which is kind of review and kind of expanding, and then we'll jump over to the other side. So, you know, the structure side today is going to be three C's, three C words as reminders. Uh, my mom was a first grade teacher, so we got to keep the, what's she called, acrostics or something? I don't know. And then the relational, uh, I'm sorry, the attunement side will be three R's today. And so then we're going to just kind of wrap up at the end by um, talking about this adaptability between the two. Okay. So structure, the three, the three C words for structure today are clarity, cohesion, and challenge. There's your three C words. Okay. All right. So the first one is clarity. How clear your organization, team, business is, family, whatever you're leading, is a direct reflection of the leadership. And so by clarity, what do I mean? Simple things. The, the, the thing that jumps off the, the sheet for me is roles. What role do you play? What am I in charge of and what am I not in charge of? Am I clear on who I am, where I am, what my responsibilities are? When those answers are not good, we have no safety from the organization. And what you will get is a team member who works out of their lack of safety, who is reactive, who doesn't ever really access all their potential, who never accesses the part of our brain that only comes online when we're in security. When people have security, they become flexible, they become curious, they become creative. Mm -hmm. 
And so, so many people, it's a tragedy, never, so many, so many leaders have teammates who never reach their potential. And we don't realize it's because they did not have enough clarity having to do with the structure of how we lead. I think that's big. I got to do, um, you know, meet with a couple organizations, churches. I work with sometimes companies I work with, and I see that that there are good people who really they are go getters. And that's when we talk about this podcast. You're getting the best out of you, out of your people, but they don't know their seat on the bus, and that creates extreme anxiety for them because it's like I feel like I have a sense of purpose. I want to earn my keep, and not even just earn my keep. I want to actually help this organization or this this team grow. But I don't, I've not been empowered to be able to do that. I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing clearly. Wow. So I, that's just why that, that one struck a chord with me. Absolutely. So clarity is a really key piece of structure yeah. here. And, and the adaptive piece of that is realizing that giving clarity is a good response when a leader is also really attuned, not, not like a, challenge against it it's it's like a, a fulfillment if you will more than it is too much of a back and forth we'll come back and talk about that in a moment the second c with structured leadership is cohesiveness the leader or leaders of an organization they're the holders of the vision they're the holders of the vision what are we doing here what's the model i know it's become popular in the last 20 years or so to have mission statements and value statements and I have mixed feelings towards some of those things. Sometimes it becomes so cliche that you end up wasting three hour, three days of work and you, know, you end up actually costing attunement because, you, you know, our teams are so annoyed by how formal this has to be. And then, you know, it's put in a policies and procedure manual and nobody ever looks at it. So if that's the extent of the clarity and the cohesiveness of the vision, you don't have any. So it's fine to have those meetings and, and be clear, but honestly, it's from the leader anyway. If the leader is clear on the vision, then the organization is clear about the vision. If the, if the leader puts it in a policies and procedures manual and doesn't look at it, then there cannot be clear and doesn't look at it and doesn't convey it mm. effectively, then it doesn't matter what's in the manual. So do it or don't. But what I, what I do know is the, how cohesive the leader is and the culture that the leader creates has a lot to do with how structurally sound the organization is. Mm -hmm. The next piece is um, just organization at all. So along with clarity, along with roles um, is how clean does your organization operate? A great test of this would be if the leader just doesn't show up for two weeks, <laughs> if, if he or her, gets put in the hospital or, you know, goes on a trip suddenly, would, would the whole thing fall apart? Mm. Or would the organization continue to flow wow. because it's organized so well, along with that clarity, that not only do people know their roles and are equipped to do what they need, all the way down to technology, phone, connectedness, people know what team they're on, people know who they answer to. Uh, but even but even the cohesiveness, do they know why we're doing it? Do they stay focused on the mission to the point where um, it's it's kind of obvious what the next steps are? I, I referenced this in a previous episode, and I did, don't have the name again. I'll have to get it to you next time. But there's a there's an athletic theory that says basically don't overcoach your your players for coaches. 
you know, really, really clarify what the end goal is and let them figure out some of the ways to get there. Mm. And, and that's, there's a lot to that, but that, that has to do with how organized your group or team is. No, you, you mentioned a quote, James, I'd love for you to share yeah. at this point. I remember working on a job site as a teenager and uh, I was just kind of being the young you know, guy or whatever. I was like, I can do this. I can do this. And this older, wiser person just kind of looked at me and said, son, a person that knows how will always have a job, but a person that knows why will be the boss. And what he was really pushing me to do was you got to think a little bit deeper. I'm trying to help you learn how to think. You're young and you got a lot of strength and you can go do, but I'm trying to train you up to be a boss. That's great. There's a lot of, there's a lot of places in the world where you don't have to see the big picture. You can just keep your head down and you can just be a great content performer. Leadership is not one of those places. Mm. A leader needs to be reflecting on the overall function and mission of the organization. Every time they shut the door of their car and they walk into the front door, it's gotta, it's gotta ooze out of our skin. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not necessarily for or against all the formality of mission statements, but you are the mission statement mm. as the leader. What does your energy dictate? What does your facial expressions dictate? What are you driven by? What are you focused on? And and that really becomes that really establishes or costs you the cohesiveness of the organization. Can't be faked. Right. So if you're if you don't have cohesiveness and clarity as a leader, this is one of the ways where you become what to me is almost a cuss word in leadership, which is you become a reactive leader. Whoa. A reactive leader is is always having his or her moves dictated by the current situation as opposed to a principle or value based leader. I know lots of leadership books and podcasts have talked about that. It's nothing new, but they don't always organize it aligned with these two motivational systems. And so to be a reactive leader has an unsafe organization. Unsafe organization will, I don't know, lose 30, 40% of what they could do. Never even touch their potential. And by the way, it's true for all of us at some level. This is not a target that is attainable. You can't have these things perfectly it's really about studying our process and making adjustments, which is kind of the point of the podcast today. All right, so third point of structure today, the third C, we've gotten clarity, we've gotten cohesiveness. Now it's the challenge. To me, it's one of the main aspects of the structural side of leadership, which is to push. Most people cannot see their potential until others see it in them. That's just a fact of human, of human behavior. Mm-hmm. And we need to be those people that see that, that speak that over our people mm. and to push people that they can do more than they think they can. But we have to step back and go, am I doing that myself? Am I growing? Am I doing the very things that I'm asking them to do? And if you are, then you're already pushing them. It's not about rah-rah speeches or formality as much as just you really chasing your passion when it comes to the cohesive mission of the organization and they can't help but follow you. So that's something we got to keep coming back to. We can't fall asleep at the will. Mm. I, I do think one more little detail there I want to add is, is there a path for your people to grow? 
Is there a path for them to grow? It, it, which might be promotion in the organization. One of my biggest surprises in my career, actually, uh, as a leader, and maybe my business is different than others. I'm sure it is at some level, but I don't know. I don't know. I think there's some universality to this truth. People are not primarily motivated by money. I think they're much more motivated by other attachment variables. Do I matter? Am I important? Am I seen as competent? Am I relevant? You trust me? If those answers are yes, like if they experientially, sorry to use the word twice, but if they experience you as yes on those questions, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll break through brick walls for you. If those answers are no, you can't buy enough loyalty. And so I think that fits under challenge, actually challenging ourselves so that we challenge them and having a passion for the mission of the organization as, as vicariously taught by even having a conversation with you in the hallway. Yeah. I, I mentioned this quote, I think, on here before, but it reminds me of a quote from a lieutenant general in the Army. Um, and I wish I once again had that name for you, too. But it says, really, the, it lies in the breast of the commander, rather to kind of inspire in his troops nothing but a, just a resentment, and they only really obey out of resentment, and they really just despise the leader, or it's in the breast of the commander that he can inspire in them a desire to want to obey, a desire to want to, to accomplish the mission. But it really lies within the leader on which one, which one of these forces he's going to pull out of uh, the people who he leads. So when you said that part, I remember one of our people, when we were even just still dealing with some leadership stuff in our own organization and just trying to help people motiv be motivated. And one of the, our people gave a great example. She said, you know, I struggled when I first got to this organization to kind of like who she was, what her identity and place was. And she said, I realized I had kind of came from one place and the pond felt a little bit smaller but, and I felt like a big fish in the pond. But I came and I swam in this pond and I realized I'm swimming with a whole lot of other big fish. And that took a little time for me to get used to that, but it actually helps me push to be better swimming, learning to swim with other big fish. And I was like, whoa, that was really good. But what she was saying was, I feel a little bit of challenge from this organization. They're pulling me out of my comfort zone. I got comfortable and they're pulling some new things out of me, ways I can grow. I was like, that's a win for the organization right there. It really is. <laughs> and, and that's actually a description of, of adaptability of these attachment sides. Because what she's saying is, I don't know who you're talking about, but what she's saying is, I feel safe enough yep. and attuned with enough to even explore this conversation, much less to say it out loud. But I also feel challenged enough that I haven't finished and that there are people who are, who are doing this better than I'm doing this. And that is, a, that is the place to grow for someone in an organization. Yeah, I mean, right? So for whatever reason, whoever's responsible for that, they were hitting this they were hitting this zone in the middle, this adaptive zone of attachment security, which is made up of semi-equal parts here of structure and attunement. So good segue, let's go to the attunement side because I said semi-equal for a reason. <laughs> so the 3 Rs of attunement are repair, ratio and rigidity. So that's the three parts of attunement we're going to talk about today, repair, ratio, and rigidity. Let's start with the ratio first, actually. The reason I said semi-equal is some research about relationships, at least, which really, really leadership is about relationship at some level. 
even if you're in a, a building across the country, as a leader, the, the energy and the weight of being on the receiving end of you is ultimately relationship at all times. So by ratio, we recovered this uh, maybe two episodes back. For a relationship to be healthy, I've got to have five points of attunement for every one point of coach or criticism. If I've got to tell you, hey, I need you to do this different, differently, if I've got five points of attunement from me or those around me coming towards you, that keeps you in a space, that desired secure space where you grow. If every, if for, you know, I coach you or you get coached or, or negative feedback of any kind from your job, from the organization, and you don't have attunement built around you, whether that's relational attunement, whether that's middle management, whether that's a sense of being a part of the team, or just any success, that all kind of focus, that all kind of functions like attunement. Five to one is what is what some research shows. Is that perfect the research to every leadership? Probably not. Is it relevant to all leadership? Absolutely. Something to be thinking about. And so where is your ratio right now? It's something we're going to start to ask you to do regularly. Where is your ratio? And specifically what I mean is what ratio does each follower on your team? Where are they right now? We'll come back to that. But five to one is what re what some research show is imbalanced and healthy. That's the good news, if you recall, from two episodes back. The bad news is five to one is the ratio if we're already healthy. If we are out of sync, if our team is losing, if we've had relational problems, if we've had tremendous external threats, now it moves towards 15 to 1. 15 points of any kind of attunement, a success, a pat on the back, maybe a joke in the kitchen, maybe um, an email saying, hey, I really appreciate you. Any, any point of attunement where people feel included, honored, appreciated, encouraged, is it qualifies as attunement. Mm. In, invested in is another way to say that. I like that how you said that so clearly. Because I think sometimes leaders, when they hear talks like this, like, what do you mean? Do I have to have like this right. sit-down special lunch with each one of my employees? Right. That's overwhelming. I'll never get anything done. Nope. But you said, how do you say that again? It's attuning is like when it's anything that helps them feel honored, appreciated. Encouraged. Or encouraged. Included. Wow. Yep. And I would say in a healthy organization, especially an organization of any size, if it's you and four other people sitting around in a room, then it's just like any other relationship. My organization is about 57 people in it. There's no way I could hold these ratios. So I have to go back to the structure side to build out structure with this attunement side in mind. You see, I have to be adaptive even in how I create the organization so that I put people in groups. So I make sure that someone is paying attention to everyone yep. and giving people chances to succeed and be seen. Mm -hmm. And it's an ongoing challenge in my organization, everyone, every other one. Please don't think I'm coming across like, oh, I've mastered this That's right. because I haven't. But you won't master it if you don't know what game you're in. Yeah. And attachment science, we believe, speaks to this game. But let me give you an example, though, because you're right. I think some leaders bucket this because they're like, I'm not touchy-feely. I'm like, you don't have to be touchy-feely. 
In fact, I think a lot of your followers don't really want that. Some do. Some do. It's going to depend on the follower and their style or what have you. But I, I used to work with a lot of Navy SEALs as clients, especially maybe 12 years ago when they were most active and coming back out of uh, Middle East on, on missions. And anyway, we just got to talking. It really wasn't even in a professional setting, kind of telling stories. I could listen to those folks talk all day. You know, it's just interesting to me. And and he, he talked about being in BUDS. If you know what BUDS is, it's basic underlo- underwater demolition slash SEAL training. That's what you got to go through, six months of hell, basically, to even get in the game, much less to be, to be an operator or, or one of the team guys. So anyway, he talked about these instra- instructors at BUDS, and they're just like walking demons. You know, they just they, they refer to it in their culture. When they, when they go out to do a, a training, they, just, they refer to it as beatings. Like he gave us a beating, and, and what he means is just really hard and taxing and, and difficult. And so, but he referred to one of his instructors who was particularly cruel and difficult. And he talked about how this was one of the, one of the things that got him through the training is they were in, I think it's uh, uh, phase two of the training where they're doing, I could be wrong about that, it might be phase three, where they're doing shooting. And this instructor who had been so vicious towards him all of a sudden comes over and like lays down beside him and talks to him as if he respects him for the first time, by the way, and, and really, really invests in the craft where he was holding the gun, the amount of pressure each hand had, the way he was looking through his sights. I think the detail was having to keep both his eyes open. Anyway, just all kinds of really fine skills there. And that, was a, that is major attunement. Even from what's basically a drill sergeant or a, or a SEAL BUDS instructor, it, it wasn't a lot of congratulations. There was time for that later. But it was investment in him. And he could feel this person cares about me. He can feel this person wants me to be successful. He can feel this person is trying to help me succeed. And that, has, that, that person got, that instructor scored like 500 points of attunement in about 10 minutes with this person. And then he talked about how that changed the game for him because he felt like, uh-oh, okay. Obviously, he sees me as important enough to invest in or he wouldn't have done that. And that adds this confidence. That's what we're talking about with the attunement side of leadership. Wow. That last statement you said I think hits home for a leader. Um, and is do, do I feel important enough to be invested in? I think that's the thing that really motivates people. And another thing you said to me after a consultation one time um, that helped me was like, we're, we're in Northwest Arkansas. So we're in the home of a lot of leaders of some really big prosperous companies. And what you, when you gave me kind of talking about one of these leaders and how, how much pieces of mail they get each day and how many of them they respond to very, very little, maybe 1% if that, but what you said to me, that was good. I think that I want these leaders to hear is, we're not saying you have to respond to everybody in your organization. You kind of, what you gave me, well, the way I took it, Ryan, was you kind of set up a care structure. And that's what you just described. And so even for that leader who might be have thousands of employees, but he might only have 20 people that are in his particular structure of care. Right. Then from those 20, he has them sending out to hundreds. Then from there, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. So I just want to, we want to empower you with that. If you set that tone from you as a leader, in this place of attunement and you're responding to those people, then guess what they pass on down the line? That same kind of care that you've given to them. Exactly. 
that Bud's instructor was, uh, I don't know what the r- rank that would be, probably a senior chief. I could be totally wrong on that, but it wasn't a rear admiral, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it wasn't the head of the Navy or the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Mm-hmm. But that rear admiral has this indirect to make sure those Bud's instructors are there, clear in their role, cohesive on their mission, challenging their people, but also hopefully a culture where they also attune with their people to get the very best out of them. And once again, I want them to do a good job because we need the Navy SEALs. So So when you said that, I'm sorry, you took me back to my military days. Even I, as a young staff sergeant, who is like a frontline supervisor, I'll never meet the, I probably will never meet the commander in chief, the president or the secretary of defense or the secretary of the air force. But I will form an opinion about how that organization feels about me or my family or my, or my sense of commitment to the country by how I'm treated by the direct supervisors and how they care for me. And then they're going to get that from people once again above them. So I, that was a, that point like that ripple down effect. Well, it's really just a great example of how adaptable a leader has to be. Mm-hmm. Your structure and your attunement has to be kept in balance and they have to complement one another. Mm-hmm. And so if that buds instructor was just friendly and nice and sweet, right? <laughs> Is that a good leader? Only if you want to get your guys killed. Yep. Navy SEALs don't get sent to places where people are nice. <laughs> they must be challenged to a level of what they're going to face, Yeah, which going back to structure for a minute is a good rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. How hard is it going to get for your people? Mm-hmm. And your training and your, and your structure of your leadership needs to match that. Yep. And that buds instructor is being motivated by, I don't want any of you going out there, get killed. That's right. And I don't want to have to go tell your wife and your children that they're, that their father died. That's so right. that's why I'm being so serious here. Yeah, fa- phase one of buds is let me see if I can get rid of you. And if I can't, I'll slowly start to invest in you. So, so that's how it goes. And so, but that's still the same thing we're talking about here. It's adaptability between this structure and needed attunement. Mm-hmm. So moving forward here, uh, the second R is repair. An attuned leader can repair when there's disruption. The definition of security in an organization is for everyone to feel connected, to experience a disruption, and then for there to be a repair. This is true for a BUDS instructor for Navy SEALs. It's true for a CEO, middle manager. It's true for a mom of a household. It just changes a little bit in terms of how it's relayed or what the needed ratio is in that moment. But it doesn't change the game. When there's too much disruption, if this BUDS instructor never created a sense that his uh seal candidates in this instance were going to be attuned with and invested in there would not be navy seals at some point you can't just have your foot on the gas all the time at some point you have to change the game and pull back and change the rhythm even in the hardest training in the world so it's certainly true for my team and yours so what's dangerous is not to make mistakes though Mm. every leader is going to make mistakes. We've already talked about that and we can't talk about it enough. If you don't know that you're making mistakes, then you're dangerous. (laughs) The fact that if you can say, yep, I make mistakes every day, every week, I'm like, good, welcome to the party. What's key is that you know when they're happening, when you, you know that your ratios are off or you know you've been a little too hard or maybe you've been a little too scattered or maybe you, maybe you're a leader And you took your eye off the ball because you got into the content of the company. I know I do that. I'm passionate about 
the mission of my company sometimes. And so I can get so focused on that. I'm not paying attention to my ratios. It's not a problem when that happens. The problem is when you leave it in a state of disruption, when you, when you don't recognize that there's been the problem and you don't move to repair. And again, repair can be everything from a one-on-one -on -one meeting, an apology, great leaders apologize. Oh man, I just saw a great quote last night. Who was it? Eisenhower, I believe. Mm -hmm. Could be wrong. He said, um, great leaders take the fall from mistakes and give credit to others when there's victories. Something like that. It's good stuff. So it might be a one-on-one -on -one talk to repair. It might be an email. It might be I'm just going to saddle up beside you on the shooting range and communicate to you respect by showing you how to, to teach the finer points of a rifle. So attunement can look differently. Can't, it will look different in every situation, but there won't be a situation where it's not important. And so what's key is, is paying attention to that. Last R for attunement is rigidity. Here's my questions. What are you consistently doing as a leader? What are you really, really consistent at? I really would love it if you're listening to this podcast and you're, and you're I don't know, maybe you're just my friend and want to hear me talk, but, but maybe, maybe you're here for real reasons and, you're, and you really want to be a better leader. I hope you're some of that. What are you consistent at? If I kept score with the, with the notebook paper every half an hour, what did, he, what did he or she just spend their time on? What are you doing consistently? Is it working? Are is it about these two motivational forces? I'm just being real practical. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you're spending all your time looking at budget sheets, okay, gotcha. Is that really what you want to be doing? In other words, are you being reactive, or are you really staying focused on the cohesiveness or of your organization? So, is it working? This this amount of time you're spending, is it working? Is it sustainable? Is it investing? in the future and the mission of the organization, or is it reactive? So my question is, are you being rigid or flexible with your role as a leader and the needs of, of your team and organization? So that's that third, third R of attunement is really paying attention to rigidity versus flexibility. The definition of a secure leader is one who is flexible. That mom who's, uh, you know, we're recording this podcast in the middle of the, the COVID-19 crisis. We'll see if this is sounds crazy in a year or not. But anyway, hopefully not. A lot of moms are home right now, and they're all of a sudden homeschool parents. And, and that mom has to be able to adapt and not get overly rigid for her kids to be the best they can be. That Bud's instructor at Navy SEALs, maybe normally every Friday, he runs them an extra six miles after lunch. But he looks up, and this week, some of his best candidates, SEAL candidates, are limping. And he realizes, you know what? If I push them hard right now, it's not going to make them tougher. It's going to injure them. Let's put them in the water more. Still make it hard, but let's make that ad ad adaptation. Mm -hmm. The definition of an insecure, ineffective leader is they become rigid on things that don't work. So there's your third R. Under attunement, so structure and attunement, structure and attunement. What stands out about that to you, James? You gave me this big look right there. I'm sorry. Just when you said that, I like when things like I look for those simple sentences that just 
give a profound point. And so when you talked about the definition of a secure leader is one, you know, one who's able to be uh, flexible with these two motivational forces, but then on the opposite side, kind of like when you know you're not being effective as a leader is when you're being rigid, even when it's not being productive. Am I getting that right? Yeah. And it can even be rigid at things that could be good. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It could be content, could be budget spreadsheets. You could even be rigid relational. Maybe you're so focused on keeping people happy that you're spending 80% of your time trying to please people. That's just another form of rigidity. It doesn't so, ma so much matter what you're being rigid about. That's Whatever right. you're being rigid about, we're off balance. And your organization's going to follow you in, in whatever balance you have. So moving to summarize here and wrap up, and here's your homework, mm -hmm. listeners of this podcast, myself included. I want to challenge us to have a regular, maybe even I think a good term is weekly, evaluation of how you're doing on your ratios. I got a buddy who was a, uh, he's a retired Green Beret and he's goofy. He sends me, you know, military terms in, in my text messages. I'm like having to Google what he means. But one that I do know is, is when, when he, when he wants to, text me and say, how you doing? Or where are you? He'll just put a, he'll just put a stat rep question mark, right? Which is, which is military for, you know, what, give me a report of your status. And that's what I'm asking you to do as a leader every week. Yeah. So take the temperature. How am I doing? Have I been driving and pushing and challenging and I'm a little bit out of a tune, attuned, or have I been really relational and flowing but, man, we're not our organization level, and our team needs to be more. Have they been pushed enough? With that, with that presupposition that we're never fully in balance, which one is, in, is needed right now? Which, which reset is needed? I would also encourage you, if possible, during your weekly evaluations to get two or three other people to give you their opinions. Because sometimes if your ratio is really off, you'll be the last one to know. Usually it means you've fallen in love with one person aspect of your job and you've inadvertently become rigid with it and the bad news on that is it doesn't even matter if it's good rigidity will not work so study your process get above the content of your job even if it's really important content there's nothing more important than your than the health of your team I can promise you that that will dictate the outcomes ask yourself this what's it like to be on the receiving end of me what would it be like to follow me? What am I really about? What messages do I convey? What, do I, what am I passionate about? What am I doing consistently and what does that say? What's my ratio? What is the next reset I need? Do I need to hold a meeting or, or send an email or some other way to convey, we're going to push harder, guys? Or do I need to pull back and get creative and do some form of attunement? Ask yourself this, what are, the, what are the themes, what paradigm, what themes have I been taking in leadership? What are the two or three things that I primarily do towards my team? Ask yourself this, is it working? What's the fruit of this? Is it good? If so, keep doing it. But if not, stop doing it. <laughs> Change or at least adjust what's not working 
I'm sorry I just insulted your intelligence, but it's not. Really, really great, highly intelligent leaders get stuck in feedback loops where we consistently continue to do what doesn't work. So, last piece. The one qualifier that we know that dictates your ability to be adaptive between these two sides, structure and attunement, structure and attunement. It is how connected are you and, and, and the self in your own life. If you're not connected with self, and by connected what I mean is, are you investing in your most important relationship or relationships? Are you investing in your spiritual beliefs, in your faith? Are you investing in the values, in the why that you're doing this? Because if you're not, and if you're disconnected personally, you will almost always be reactive. The situation will dictate your response. You'll either be disconnected and don't do attunement or you'll be a people pleaser and you're always reactive and therefore security cannot be in your organization and you will lose productivity like an open faucet leaking out of the back of your organization. So invest in your own sense of connection Mm -hmm. with yourself even. Your own grief story, perhaps. Your relationships, your faith, your value system. Wrapping up for me, why are you doing this? You know, you see some leaders who crash and burn, and something they say in my office a lot is, man, to be honest with you, I forgot who I was. That's exactly what we're talking about here. I got disconnected from who I am. I forgot where I came from. And so revisit this, if not daily, during your weekly evaluation of your leadership, what are you founded on? If your organization is dry, there's a pretty good chance its leader is dry. And we have to be intentional to keep going to the well. If the leader continues to go to the well, the why, your values, your mission of why you're doing this, your followers will follow. That's the nature of attachment. Humans cannot not respond to other humans. And when a leader is in balance, excuse me, when a leader is out of balance, as you are all the time, and you're actively taking steps to repair and adapt back and forth, your organization is safe, your people are curious and challenged, and we're going to meet our potential. That's good, Ryan. So just kind of like, I guess, a summary statement that hit me at that moment was, inherently in leadership you're going to always be out of balance between these two motivational forces and that can be somewhat triggering and what we're really trying to give you here is how to be flexible and be able to tolerate that imbalance because that is the nature of leadership you're going to be dealing with problems or pushing into new areas and so it can bring reactivity out of you but you are the leader because you are able to have flexibility and access multiple tools to be able to handle yeah use the tools because the tools don't matter if you don't have this adaptability to be able to use the tools at the right place, right time, in the right ratio of each moment. And it's always moving. And that's, that's good. And that's the part. As a leader, you never fall asleep, yep. which is why I think the question you asked at the end, what's motivating you and why are you doing it? Because if it's always moving and you're always having to keep adapting and motivating, if it's not for like the love of people, this like deeper inner calling with inside yourself, you're going to burn out. And then what either happens is you burn out and you – Something your family suffers, you suffer, your community suffers, or you just try and really depend on rigidity. 
which then actually you, you're trying to do that to protect yourself, but it really makes your life suck even more. <laughs> uh, a, lead, a leader who protects herself a lot has a really unsafe team. Yeah. Yeah. So stay connected personally, yeah. study your process, mm-hmm. be adaptive back and forth mm-hmm. and your organization will thank you for it and be, and it'll re- reach its potential. And once again, I just want to reemphasize our heart of this podcast and why we do what we do. Uh, Ryan and I, we really, we do it because we care about you as leaders. Um, we recognize that you have been given great influence and positions to touch people's lives, people that you'll never see. And so while we're doing this and we're being so serious about it is because we really do care about you. Never met you, but we really, really do care. And we see the, we see you, we see leaders in our offices every day. And we're just so happy to be able to come alongside of them. And some of the leaders I've been able to serve, Ryan, just to look in their eyes and they'll say, I wish I would have known this stuff. And they start running through, not only is this good for me and my wife, I'm thinking about this person that I had this situation with right before I came to your office. This is helping me so much. And so that's why we decided to do this podcast to come alongside you and really help you be able to thrive in leadership. So thank you for trusting us and for listening. And please share this with other leaders in your organization. And even if you want to go a little bit deeper with this stuff, Ryan and I also hold, host another ep, uh, podcast called The Leading Edge and Emotionally Focused Therapy. Now, we're working with therapists on there that really study this stuff and process, but we do go into more detail of some of the nuances, of some of these moves we talk with you about. If you just were that leader, and probably many of you are ambitious, you're going to want to go check that out as well. Some of it might not land as much for you, but I think it will. Let's give some more just kind of interventions, tools, tips, and tricks there. Yeah, we'd love to interact with you as well. We'd love to get feedback. And uh, thanks for being here. We'll see you next time. All right. Thank you for listening. We hope the principles discussed on this podcast help transform your life in leadership. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. You can contact us at pushtheleadingedge at gmail.com and follow our Facebook page at pushtheleadingedge.com. You can follow Ryan Reyna on Facebook at Ryan Reyna Professional Training and on his website, RyanReynaTraining.com. You can follow James on Facebook and Instagram at DocHawkLPC. You can also check out his website, DocHawkLPC.com.